0: Hey, Tim. How's it going?
1: Hey, well, it's going fantastic, David. Good to see you all the way out from Columbia. Yeah. Man, Soon the I'll internet be... is amazing.
0: The internet is super amazing. It it yeah. carries you all the way from the tundra of Alberta to my tropical climate. Is Thanks, Al Gore. Is, is Columbia tropical? I don't even know. Yeah. All right. Have
1: you, have you run into any scopolamine or... Donkey humpers or anything like that? Not yet, but I'll there? keep my hope. What are you though? doing in Colombia, dude? Like, uh, you're in Medellin, like, that's the center of the Coke Wars, right? Isn't it? Yeah, you it know, was like the, the world's most stuff.
0: dangerous city at one point. But oh, now it's just like all... I'm in like in a hipster neighborhood. It's just like a normal city. There's lots of people, there's a Harley Davidson dealership, just people uh, chilling and living their lives.
1: I don't. I don't understand the attraction. Why you go to Colombia and you don't even engage in uh, world's most dangerous place tourism? Uh, you're just not hanging not out yet. with hipsters. Maybe. Yeah. Is it just because it's cheaper to be a hipster in Colombia than anywhere else? Is that why you're there?
0: Not anywhere else, but definitely than in the U.S.
1: Right. Okay. Well, that's fair enough, I
0: guess. <laughs> uh, so today we wanted to talk about Mr. Ezra Levant. Uh, so hmm. you posted, you shared a video of him, and he's in the news again. I guess. Um, around this book he published in during the election that was anti Trudeau. Yeah, yeah. I'm interested. I have you know some thoughts on him and Rebel News generally. I went to one of their like Rebel conferences actually um, when I was starting to get interested in politics and media. You know anyone who's that disliked there must be a good re- like there must be an interesting reason there. So I'll, I'll get into yeah. my thoughts generally. But you called him, you know, like a gem or a jewel in of Canadians because I think he fights for really important issues that people don't realize and that people take for granted. But why don't you kind of fill me in a bit more about briefly what's going on now and how it relates to what kind of, I think brought him to the fore of, you know, society, uh, you know, back in the day in his Alberta days.
1: Sure. Well, I mean, Ezra has kind of made a career out of, um, being a rabble rouser, right? And on one hand, you could, you could criticize him by saying, you know, his business model is the base is basically outrage, right? Getting people outraged about things and then don't funnel funnel money, money towards me so we can fight this outrageous thing. And quite often is the things he finds outrageous are, are kind of nonsense. And so he kind of earned, you know, people either love him or hate him in a lot of ways, right? Because if you don't identify with his, uh, his, uh, issues I guess or whatever his tone um, then you're you're not going to like him that much but he came to my attention back in um, probably around 2006 2007 he was fighting a human rights uh, tribunal and he he was an editor with the uh, Western Standard at the time which was a magazine uh, out west print magazine that it's now online and Derek Fildebrandt is running it Um, and he he published, republished these uh, cartoons of the Prophet Muhammad that some Danish cartoonists had published that got them killed. Right, so these Danish cartoonists or a cartoonist—I can't remember if it was one or two guys—were killed by uh, Muslim extremists who took great offense to these cartoons being published. Everyone was scared to republish them or or show which these cartoons were that got these guys killed. Mm. Everyone was scared shitless of this. Ezra Levant wasn't. He he put them up. He said, this is what they got killed over. And then he got uh, uh, a complaint against him from an imam in Calgary, I believe who was offended at this cartoon and he was taken to the, the human rights tribunal. No one really knew or understood what a human rights tribunal was at the time. We just thought it was all, okay, it makes sense. Yeah. Like let's protect human rights. Uh, but it was used as a weapon against uh, free speech And, uh, and so Ezra spent, you know, I think quarter million dollars defending himself from this, um, this stupid complaint and he, he filmed some of it and it it was brilliant. I mean, he, he recorded, you know, the human rights commissioner asked him, what was your intent when you, um, (laughs) when you published this? Right. Mm -hmm. And Ezra Levant just went off on a rant. He's like, what was my intent? He's like, what possible difference could it make? What my intent was. He said, he says, I claim the right as a freeborn Albertan to publish that for what, whatever reason I want, no matter what the hell you think. And uh, what was my intent? Well, think of the worst possible thing that, that I could have published it for in your mind. That was my intent. Let's just assume that. And I mm-hmm. claim the right to do it for those reasons. I just thought it was a brilliant uh, uh, rant that he put up. And I'm like, holy crap, this guy is feisty. He's a fighter. And, and he exposed these human rights tribunals. And, you know, it wasn't a few years later that that they abolished the, the uh, human rights tribunal at the federal level. Um, and, uh, you know, so so I think these this pushback is super important. Now, you bring it to... Uh, what just recently happened and he's being prosecuted because there was a, or investigated, I should say, mm-hmm. there was a, a law brought in recently about uh, third party uh, influence, I guess, in elections. Right. And, and that, if you're trying to influence elections, you need to be registered as a third party. And so, for example, in 2015, I remember seeing all these support the CBC signs, um, on lawns right and they're always almost always next to uh like an ndp candidates lawn sign and so it was a third party that was trying to send a signal like vote ndp because they support the cbc and that was the issue and and so you know uh elections canada made this rule that um you need to be registered if you're doing that well now we come to ezra and in the last election he launched his book. Libran, Libranos I think it's called mm-hmm. uh, it's all a, a book about how terrible Justin Trudeau is and they put out lawn signs that just say com." buy the book right and lawn signs going up to to market this book and obviously he, he you know I, I suspect he was doing this to test the waters or to push the envelope a little bit on this stupid rule that you're not allowed to to influence elections unless you register with the government first,
0: right? <laughs> Which is
1: kind of dumb. I mean, we all try to influence elections all the time, and yeah. can you we know, not like do podcasts
0: does. about the election during the election right, without right. letting have the to government register? know? Yeah,
1: so so uh, and there is yeah, even so an he,
0: exception in the rule for book publishing.
1: Yes, yeah. Although you know, and and so.
0: Ezra again to the intent of it's like, when were they planning the book? Would they have published it in this time? Even if there weren't an election and like such arbitrary things.
1: Right. And that, this is what we see on the hidden camera Mm -hmm. tape of the RCMP. Like they're trying to get to the heart of the matter, which is, well, it's
0: not the RCMP it's former RCMP
1: for former RCMP working for the elections commission. Yeah. So these investigators working for the elections commission are, trying to figure out what the intent was was mm-hmm. as are doing it to influence the election or was he just publishing a book? Right. And so, I mean, um, if anything, again, it's, it,
0: you use the election to help you sell the book. Yeah. You're, right, you'll get more attention. Well, Makes and I'm, I'm sure me. he,
1: he would have was trying to influence the election as well, but I mean, yeah. shouldn't that be your right as a freeborn Canadian to try to influence elections to persuade people to vote for one person or not to vote for another person or to do all these kinds of things, mm. um, you know, and ultimately, you know, it seems like his sin was that he maybe exposed some things about a progressive darling, right? Like to me, this this smacks of the motivation behind the Trump impeachment too. I mean, of all the things you could have impeached Trump for, war crimes and who knows what, like the, there's magnitude of sins I'm sure you could impeach any president for. Uh, the thing they chose, the thing that was a bridge too far for these people was that he, he, he asked the Ukraine to investigate the Bidens, right? And, you know, like th- this is something that um had he done at any other time like let's say they weren't going into an election cycle but he was just investigating a corrupt politician in the ukraine and this was some other politician i can't imagine anyone would have any problem with that like right. they're like yeah that's kind of the job of the president but he's doing it in an election cycle in a way that might expose some facts about biden that would cause people to vote the wrong way right right and so uh this is where they lose their mind it's like anything that threatens their power, anything that it threatens to expose their, their hypocrisy, um, that is what causes them to lose their mind. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, These people are nakedly after power. They're not trying to enforce some deep-seated principle of justice or something like that.
0: Right, and I think um, you know, Ezra Levant points out that there, are, there were other books published about the liberals and about Trudeau in the election they were just pro-Trudeau books and right. not anti-Trudeau books. And so they go from, well, it was the signs that were a problem to, oh, no, it's the book that's a problem. And, and oh, it's just your book that's a problem. But why is it important? Because I think a lot of people I'll, – I'll try and explain my the way I see Ezra Levant and Rebel News a bit more broadly because people kind of dismiss – let's say most of my peers would dismiss him outright because of his tone and his approach to things. Right. Um, And so it kind of tarnishes the, the, some of the stuff he's doing that is actually really important. Right. And so it was really interesting to me. So I like to understand things for myself. So I went to a one day rebel news conference. um, And the first bit of it was like, like almost a stand-up comedy act. Like I don't love their tone and stuff. And it was kind of farcical and it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But within that, there were some really important issues and it actually made me kind of sad that the more legitimate people that are a part of Rebel News have no other home, right? So there's this like Muslim woman, I forget her name, that is trying to like advocate against Islamic extremism. She's been labeled an Islamophobe and all of this stuff. And it's like she's writing really interesting stuff. She's talking about interesting things. And there's nowhere in Canada for her except Rebel News. And so she has to be part of this clown show. And so, but it's almost as if the clown show gives him additional protection, right? So it's like they care about some really important issues and they help advocate some really important issues. But it's like in this clown makeup, right? And so I think free speech is, you know, one of the most important, if not the most important issues. And I think it's so important to give him credit where credit is due, but it's also hard for a lot of people to get through all of the noise.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, to, to me, I was making a larger point about the importance of civil disobedience, right? And, mm. and you know, I think Thoreau, uh, Martin Luther King, Thomas Jefferson have all been credited with saying something like, uh, it, it is the duty of a moral man to disobey unjust laws and that's essentially what um what what levant's doing here and you know the other guy I pointed out who i think is a bit of a hero to canadians is uh, uh mark emery who engaged in years of civil disobedience when it came to cannabis and he right. would mail seeds to people mail uh uh you know and uh, he, he got extradited to the U S and spent five years in a penitentiary. He wouldn't take a plea deal. He he was standing up for something that he felt was morally right. He pushed back hard. He became kind of a martyr for the cause. Um, and can Canadians have, you know, I think we can credit him largely with the fact that cannabis is that there's a legal regime, at least um, mm. in Canada that, that, you know, cannabis users and sellers, um, don't have to face as, as harsh a punishment because he took the bullet for us in a lot of ways. And that's kind of what Levant's doing. And that's what, you know, Emery's doing. And so it, it's the civil disobedience that I want to point out, but quite often people who are civilly disobedient are, um, they have kind of a repugnant aesthetic, let's say, right? Like they're not very likable in a lot of ways. Like people don't like them. They're, they're pugnacious. They're, they have some character flaws. They're like, they're, they're not super likable people. Um, you know, it seems to kind of go with the territory. Like if you're a likable guy and people, you know, you're going to probably be less likely to, to, um, stir rock the boat, so to speak. Um, you know, but I think it's important to recognize that, okay, even though these people have some unlikable characteristics, even though, um, they are assholes in certain aspects of their personal life or, or even professional life, they do play an important role and they ought to be thanked for that thing that they did that makes life better for the rest of us.
0: So I think some people might be quite alarmed to hear Ezra, Ezra Levant in a list with Martin Luther King, but why do you think that's fundamentally similar?
1: Well, I didn't put him in a list with Martin Luther King. I said that Martin Luther King, Thoreau, and, and Thomas Jefferson uh, made a quote about civil okay. disobedience, But, but <clears throat> I mean, sure, Martin Luther King, again, that's an example of civil disobedience working, mm. right? I mean, we don't have um, we we probably don't have the issues today that MLK faced that, that are as big as maybe is important, but yeah. free speech is pretty damn important. And, you know, while Levant might not be an inspiring character, he is he is uh, exposing something. Like what civil disobedience does is it exposes the gun in the room, right? so when mlk disobeyed and you know they marched and they sat and they did these things that that were against the law in the time and they disobeyed the law you saw the guns come out you saw the force come out you saw the brutality of the state come out and then people were shocked and dismayed and change happened well mm-hmm. that's the same thing here we're we're You know, we were shocked and dismayed when Mark Emery was extradited and spent five years in the pen. We're shocked and dismayed to see Ezra Levant go, um, because we're seeing the guns come out. Otherwise, it's just an abstraction. It's like, you know, that. But but the gun in the room is real, and that, that these people that engage in civil disobedience they expose government for what it is it's an institution that uses violence that uses force to get its things done and and so you better be very careful about what you ask the government to do and if without these people like because the rest of us are just obedient all the time like we pay our taxes we obey the, the rules we we don't rock the boat we don't do things that are illegal um but at a certain point if you want to change things you you have to disobey so, what do you say uh, to people law.
0: who look at what's going on with Ezra Levant and don't care, don't aren't like appalled or whatever that the government can just bring you in and, and threaten you?
1: Well, I, I mean, it's it's frustrating, right? I mean, like, it, but it's no more frustrating than my entire political activist career, <laughs> if we want to call it that, because I mean, I, I've been trying to point this out from day one, right? Taxation is theft. Well, what about the roads and universities and blah, blah, blah. Uh, taxation is theft. I, I don't know about the roads and the universities. I'm like, can we imagine a way of doing it without taxation? Like why well, government, you know, we we just pay that price. No, you're doing it because you're being forced to. Well, no, no I am not really, Well, okay. Stop paying taxes and see what happens. Mm-hmm. So just, just disobey anything. Just, just you, you I mean, it's incomprehensible to you. The re- reason everything looks so peaceful is because you're complying with everything. It's like we're on a peaceful plantation where everyone's working according to what the the master's wishes. Yeah. There's no violence here. There's no nothing to see here. Everything looks like a utopia. Uh, but you got that one slave that uh, decides he doesn't want to work. Suddenly the, the bullwhip comes out and you start to see the violence inherent in the system. And you, so, so you can put your head in the sand and you can, you know, you'll benefit from Ezra's, from other people fighting uh, for freedom for you, the people that are upholding, you know, holding back the erosion of of liberty, of your liberties. But at a certain point, um, you know, they're going to come for you. I mean, there's, they're going to make something illegal that you do. And, you know, then then you're going to be affected. So, um, yeah, I don't know what to say to those people. I've been trying to figure it out for years, but But right now, people are just complacent. They're they're happy. They got their shows on TV. They they're living a comfortable life. So until things get uncomfortable for them, uh, you know, I I don't hold up much hope for uh, the average Canadian.
0: Yeah, it's a bit dire, but I suppose it's quite accurate. Shifting just slightly for the last bit to sit it like to the U.S. campaign finance laws versus the Canadian ones because it got it's. I mean, it continues to get a lot of attention that in the US, like money is equal to speech or whatever, right? People can spend as much as they want uh, on campaigns. And then there's this idea that I think is very prevalent in Canada that that's horrendous. Thank God we have limits. But I think it's almost impossible to actually, no, I think it is impossible to set any sort of limit that's objective. That isn't up to the whim of, Well, who can spend how much money for what purpose? What exactly counts? What's the timing? And so, and what is so scary? Why? Like the only reason people can be brainwashed by unlimited advertising is because their minds have been melted in the first place. I mean, that's a whole other issue. But I think the idea that, you know, it's so good in Canada that we have such strict campaign rules in the first place. And that's what, you know, got Ezra into this situation or perhaps he chose to, push these rules. Um, the idea that that's somehow good, that the overlords can decide who can advertise how much. And now even, yeah, not direct campaigning, but all third parties who want to say something about the election need to register with the overlords, right? I think right. it's absurd to me and quite alarming, but almost anyone I would talk to would think, no, it's, that's a great thing. And I mean, I thought that two years ago.
1: Right, but where where does it stop? Like can I put up my own homemade election sign uh, you know and without registering to vote is that you know what and if I can put up an, if I can't put up an election sign or if I can't try to influence the election by you know what about social media posts? What if I'm or what if I buy a Facebook ad or what if I like And what if th- you're there's like no a limit social what,
0: what if you have a Twitter account with 2 million Canadian followers and you just tweet your opinion? right yeah. there's a lot of advertising
1: absolutely you know and then okay if that's bad then what about a million what about 5000 what about two you know like where's the line and you're right it's absolutely very difficult to draw the line figure out where that is like there's no objective standard here but you know part of the problem is that that people see very clearly that what we're living in is an oligarchy where people that have a lot of money wield all the influence and the government does their bidding. And, and so they, they think, well, th- that what we need then is to clamp down on these people being able to provide money or whatever. But I mean, if it, the, the, the rich will always find a way, the pro the root of the problem here is the is government. that the, the chains are off government, right? The right. government isn't restrained. And so it then behooves you to lobby and to do all these things to influence government, to protect uh, so yourself
0: from their guns right right
1: so so the root of the problem is and, and you know this is similar to immigration as well right it's like people make the reasonable point that like most of the people immigrating are going to vote left um you know it's something like 80 percent or something it didn't always used to be that way it used to be about 50 50 but mm-hmm. uh for whatever reason now they vote left probably because the republicans uh, the the right is just uh, you know they, they they paint themselves or they're painted as xenophobes or whatever. It's not very welcoming. It's not very whatever. So people aren't going to, if you're new, you're not going to attach with that, even though your politics might more closely align with conservative, which I think most immigrants or a lot of immigrants probably are more conservative. They're like, well, those, these conservatives hate my gut. So I'm just going to go left. Well, whatever the reason, you know, the, the argument against immigration is that, um, these people are going to vote left and we're going to end up with a bigger government and more intrusive and all these kinds of things. We're going to be victimized more. Well, again, it's not the immigrants that are causing that problem per se. It is the yes. fact that we have an unrestrained government th- where an influx of immigrants can affect it. It shouldn't mm-hmm. be that way. That's sh- the, the root of the problem that people keep ignoring is uh, the gun in the room. It's the government, dummy. It's the government, yeah. <laughs> right? And so like, rather than tackling finance reforms rather than tackling immigration reforms, tackle government reforms, like reform government, restrain government, get it. You know, uh, I, I, you know, I, I share, I sympathize and I share the same worry that other people do about big money and open borders and all this kind of thing in politics. But the problem is the politics, it's the government. And until we strike that root, we're always going to have these other problems. And we're always going to have to pile bad legislation on top of bad legislation as we do that continuous whack-a-mole of of whacking down the negative unintended consequences of the last thing, right? And and we're seeing that with Ezra Levant right now. Okay, it might have made sense on some level to say, listen, if you're a third party, we can't have all the, this big money coming in and influencing the election and buying the election because we see how that goes, Right. Uh, we don't want the richest people in society running things. And so what we need to do is limit how they can influence, uh, government. Okay. That sounds fair, but it misses the point. Like I was saying that the problem is that government can be influenced, not that, you know, like that would be the proper place to address it, but okay, we're going to have this law chasing this negative unintended consequence of unrestrained government by saying, okay, we're going to limit how much people can influence it. And, but now it's like, Okay now we can't figure out there's all sorts of, there's a gray area here where people who are just doing things that shouldn't be, you know, are getting prosecuted. And that's going to, and as we clamp down on those things, it's going to have all sorts of other negative unintended consequences. We're going to have to pile more legislation on So it's just a never ending game of piling rules and legislation on top of rules and legislation to deal with the negative unintended consequences of the former uh, rules and legislation caused. Right. Yeah. But I I focus on like strike the root. The root is big government. The root is unrestrained government. And And I think until that's addressed, we're just gonna be playing whack-a-mole and piling rules onto rules.
0: And I think people take don't understand the actual threats that are present in Canadian government right now. Right? Like free speech is really important and there was a that newspaper in toronto we may have talked about like or the newsletter right like this racist your ward news and these people got sent to prison for publishing their views yeah. and these were horribly yeah. horrible views that i don't agree with at all but like i read people applauding and being so happy that someone would be sent to prison for their views for right. sharing their views publicly and like that is just horrendous because that is then if you set that precedent precedent what happens when someone that disagrees with your views gets in power that will happen at some point and you've already said no if you protest too loudly if you spread your views too widely you can go to jail and it's just so disturbing that people are so blind to the implications of it yeah and and what we want is uh, in the same line right
1: and what, what we need are people that stand up for principles right not for tribes Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you are a leftist and, or a person who just hates Ezra because he's from the wrong tribe, you should stand up for the principle right. of free speech. Right. And just like uh, I'm seeing now, like Omar Khadr, it was invited to speak at a university and mm-hmm. I see a bunch of conservatives wanting the university to shut him down. Like these are probably people that a year ago would have called themselves free speech radicalists or or absolutists fighting for the right for conservatives to speak on universities and how dare these universities and now they're up in arms about Mm. Omar Khadr trying to shut that speech down. Well, stand up for a principle. Stand up for the speech of people that you hate. And that's how we win back this country right that's how we win back how we push back against freedom as long as we're engaged in this tribal mentality they're always going to keep us divided let terrible people speak let them speak allow them to speak fight for their right to speak unless you're willing to do that this country's lost
0: thanks tim (sighs) thanks david (laughs)